This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Angel Rose and Ahanu. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show today. I think it is the first day in two weeks, Ahana, where it's not stifling hot at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I hope it stays that way because today is my daughter's wedding. Ahana, my youngest daughter, Janae, is getting married today. And um, so, of course, you know, relatives have come in, friends have come in, and we had parties the last two nights and another party tonight. And the best of all, Ahanu, is you are the officiating minister. I know. Isn't that hard to believe? It's an absolute first for me. And there will, of course, be firsts all around today, uh, first wedding. And I think actually it's going to be the first time that a, a wedding has taken place in over 100 degrees because that's what the temperature is going to be like. It's going to be hot all around for everybody up there today. Well, I'm going with the Weather Channel. I'm holding the Weather Channel today that says it's going to be 84 so that would be a miracle. That'd be like 20 degrees cooler than it has been. But she's getting married outdoors. This is why we're talking about the weather. And she's riding her horse into the ceremony. She'll have her beautiful wedding gown on with the long train draped over the horse's uh, behind. And she'll be riding beauty up the hill. <laughs> so it's going to be quite a wonderful thing. It's all outdoors. My daughter's a real country bumpkin. So it's in a natural forest-like setting. So we're all going to have a beautiful time. Well, now, folks, what you have to know, too, of course, is that Angel Rose has me dressed up like one of those country gentleman cowboys from, uh, God, from Tombstone City. And uh, <laughs> really, I'm the one that should be riding in on the horse, actually, the way she has me dressed up. <laughs> Oh, well, Ahano, but you look so good in those outfits, just like all men look so good in those outfits. But, Ahano, you, you look exceptionally sexy in those outfits. Well, I'd like to spend a couple of moments now just backtracking very, very slightly because a few weeks ago we had a wonderful guest on the show called Judith Kravitz. And if you remember that, we spoke about transformational breath and we are going to need really to, to breathe deeply today with all the weddings and all the goings on and so on. In fact, isn't that what they say at times of stress? And we'll be asking our guests today about this. At times of stress, you know, people say, breathe, you know, just breathe. <laughs> We're going to have to practice just breathing today because really, really, this is a time when you tend to hold your breath, don't you? You just tend to breathe shallow and, you know, in, in a way not be present. You know, the mind wanders off or else or else you're ultimately present in the moment, in the here and now, but you find yourself shallow breathing. Certainly that's the way I do it. And uh, we learned a lot from Judith Kravitz a few weeks ago when she spoke about transformational breath and those hundred breaths to joy. And so we look forward to our guest today, who's Christian Minson, and he is at breathflow.com. We will be bringing him on in a short little while. Yes, do we have any announcements Ahano, this week besides this, you know, of course I'm consumed with the wedding, as you can imagine being the mother of the bride. 
So, and you, you're nervous too. We need to tell our audience. Ahana was actually a little nervous today. So he was up all night thinking you could hear him thinking, you know, that when somebody's laying next to you and they're not saying anything, but you just can hear them thinking. So it'll be interesting, uh, interesting day. But um, we are not having our usual Akashic Record online session tomorrow for those who are listening uh, because of the wedding and relatives being in town. But we will resume next week on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock doing our free online Akashic Record session. So uh, you can still register by going to worldofempowerment.com and you'll still be able to register. We we should also tell our audience, Ahano, that we're going to see Brazzo tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Has anybody heard of Brazzo? In case you haven't, this is a young Croatian man who travels the world, and he is known for his gazing. He comes out, and he looks at everybody for about seven minutes, and apparently people experience uh, wonderful healings, uh, transformations in their lives. I know the first time I saw him online is because my friend Patrice had gone to see him in Chicago. So I looked him up. And they had a little segment of him gazing, and I remember uh, bursting into tears when I saw him, or when I felt him, I should say. And we have friends here, too, who kind of follow him around, and uh, certainly their lives are extremely joyous. So that'll be Sunday. We're going to go see him locally somewhere, some hotel. But if anybody wanted to look him up who's in the area, it's Brock. It's it's pronounced Brazzo, but it's spelled B-R-A-C-O, Brazzo. So if you look him up, you can see if there's any spots left. It, it, they book it by the hour, so and it's not expensive. I think it was only like eight dollars uh, to go see him. Yes, there is a little bit of a buzz there, and I'm trying to get rid of it. But uh, let's motor onwards. The show must go on, as they say. And here we are doing a show on the morning of our daughter's wedding, and the show must go on. And all of that, and we are excited about it, and yes, a little nervous too. So we're hoping that a little breath work might actually keep the level of excitement to an acceptable level that we can cope with all the goings-on today. And you asked about announcements, Angel Rose. Yes, indeed, tomorrow's group Akashic Records online is postponed until next Sunday at 10 a.m. More information on worldofempowerment.com. Of course, our Eight Steps to Freedom is always available at 8stepstofreedom.com. Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, is at atimeofchange.info. And her new book, The Nature of Reality, is coming out in January. And you can pre-order that at thenatureofreality.info. Okay, these e-books that we we actually take the transcripts of all of the Sunday sessions and we turn them into ebooks and slowly slowly we're getting them all up on the Amazon Kindle. So if you search for Angel Rose or Ahanu on Amazon, you will actually find those ebooks and they are really really worth a read. They contain the transcripts of the sessions and there are some really, really amazing insights and what we call profound profundities, profound statements from the Akashic Records. Absolutely marvellous read and very, very inexpensive also. Now, 
Angel Rose will be teaching people how to read the Akashic Records in an exclusive once-off training that will take place pretty soon. We're, we're planning on making an announcement about it pretty soon, but it will be this fall. And if you're interested, you can sign up on either angelrose.com or worldofempowerment.com. That's really worth waiting for. So I think that's most of our announcements right now. Uh, yeah, I think we're just about ready to bring on our guest. And in order to do that, let me first run through a short little biography. And I do this simply because a lot of times our guests don't really say enough about themselves. They, they tend to want to deliver help and they go straight into helping people. And they're, such is their humility, I guess. But I'd like to say that our guest today, Christian Minson, was a monk. And at an early age, there was a spark inside him that had to be more to life than what he was currently experiencing. So he focused on expanding consciousness in meditation and realized that life is a path, whether we know it or not. And he started to study the evolution of consciousness. And this is really what he's all about. So we're going to bring him on and let's get his own background and how he proposes to help us today with our breathwork and extend that outward and teach us all about these wonderful hundred breaths to joy that has followed on from Judith Kravitz's wonderful work on breathing. He was here earlier. We did speak to him before the show began, so we do know that he is awake in San Diego at his home and uh, ready to come on. He sent us a beautiful uh, description of his work. And uh, Hanno did mention uh, how we had Judith Kravitz on not too long ago. She is the originator of um, this particular type of breath work. And Christian is a facilitator of this breath work in locally in San Diego. So we're really excited to have him on because we met him uh, at the Pacific Beach Holistic Center down in Pacific Beach. <clears throat> he was doing a demonstration at their grand opening, took people into a little uh, mini breathing session. And of course, uh, you know, I do have a background with Sandra Ray's rebirthing. So I'm aware of this type of, of breathing and I absolutely love it. In fact, we do it every day. We do Judith Kravitz's CD every day, don't we, Hannah? We do, and we really find it so beneficial. And it's actually hard to put your finger on exactly what the benefit is. In, in terms of being able to measure something, uh, this is a kind of an immeasurable benefit. You just feel that you're connecting in some way. And uh, I do believe that we have Christian Minson on the line right now. Christian, are you there? Can you hear me? Uh, we can hear you now. Yeah, we were wondering if you went ahead to have tea. <laughs> no, I was here all along. I'm one of those uh, dramatic entrances. Oh, okay. Well, we like, like that. To have, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, Christian, uh, we we would like you to start out today telling our listeners a bit of your history. Ahano just gave our listeners just a little teaser, saying that you had been a monk, and of course that's fascinating because if you saw this gentleman, everybody, he looks like he's only 25 years old. 
and he certainly doesn't look old enough to have been a monk. But Christian, can you tell us a little bit about your life? Certainly, I'd be happy to. First of all, I want to say congratulations to you and Ahanu uh, for your um, daughter Janae's wedding coming today. So Thank you very much. Um, all the best to you and to her. Thank you. Uh, yeah, as Ahanu was saying that, you know, my path began basically at a very early age. I was always propelled by some propensity that there was something more to life than than what met the eye. And it probably got me into trouble more than, uh, than not in those early years, just because I never seemed to fit in quite with the, the normal flow of things. Always, always trying to seek deeper and asking. Uh, my mom used to say that I, when going to Sunday school, I would always ask the penetrating questions to the Sunday school teachers who, who never quite could, you know, satisfy me with their answers. So, um, you know, as he said, that seeking deeper meaning really became my focus in life. And that's, uh, you know, through a circuitous route, uh, led me to becoming a monk. And, uh, I was a monk in the yogic order. Um, meditation was the focus as, um, as it was the main path to helping me expand my consciousness and really, uh, getting into that deeper understanding and meaning of life. Uh, tell, there, t- Christian, you know, tell us tell us a little bit ahead. about what it's like to be a monk before you continue. Uh, <laughs> well, um, it's interesting because uh, in my early life, I was a military brat. So my dad was in the army, and uh, that kind of lifestyle was very disciplined, as you might imagine. Uh, we... You know, there's a lot of good rules, regulations, uh, hierarchy of structure. You know, you do what you're told. You know, know who to report to. And in a way, you know, um, I I became a monk to try to uh, get away from that, as all young folks tend to do. You know, uh, uh, leave the fold behind and and try to venture out on a new path. The joke, however, um, God's joke, we could say, was on me because being a monk was uh, very much like being in the military. It was a very disciplined path. There was a very hierarchical structure. Uh, You know, you knew exactly who to report to, um, what was expected of you, what to do. Uh, Of course, the um, I I even say that the, the end goal was the same, freedom. I think uh, was the same between the military and the monastic order. Only there was a slightly different uh, approach to how to achieve that freedom. And so a daily, you know, daily routine would be to wake up five o'clock in the morning, meditate for two hours, uh, eat breakfast, have a a period of study where we, um, you know, dove deep into the scriptures or um, books of the um, the masters that we were studying. Then the, you know, our life largely consisted of meditation and service. So we we went to work or you know, as we called it, service. 
Um, primarily, it was organizational work. We were the headquarters of the worldwide organization, and the monks were really responsible for taking care of that organization and making sure things ran smoothly, not only there at the headquarters, but remotely all around the world. And, uh, you know, in the evening, we'd get back together for group meditation and have our own private meditation again for probably another couple hours, uh, perhaps a class that was taught, and, uh, the, you know, the next day it would start all over again. So it was very, very structured, very uh, simple life, a very healthy life. We, you know, we were vegetarian. Um, we, uh, you know, subscribed to a, a period of recreation or really getting uh, some solid physical exercise every day. Um, so it was really a well-balanced way of life. Would you say, Christian, that you know how some people say that every young person should join the military just for the disciplined purpose of it. Would you also say that somebody should learn to meditate or somebody should, as part of their early development, go through that whole process of the, the monk's discipline like you did? Uh, it's funny that you ask that question because I say exactly that. That uh, I've I've often stated that you know, it, I think everybody uh, would benefit from a monastic type experience, either, you know, two years before they go off to university or college or two years after, because it's really a, a very grounding, rooting uh, experience. Um, like I said, it, it, it hones us in the um, lifestyle, a very uh, wholesome approach. Uh, it you know, it removes you from the distractions of daily life so you can get a greater perspective. And I think, you know, one of the one of the ills of our society is that we aren't grounded enough in in the true reality of, of life and therefore when things hit us on this physical level that sort of rock our boat, uh, we go into panic mode or don't know how to deal with things and and suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, and that doesn't have to be. And that's what um, you know. That's what I learned as a monk, and that's what transferred over in my work with breathwork. Mm -hmm. And tell us, how did the development of your interest in breathing come about? Was that one of the disciplines that you went through in uh, as a monk? Well, you know, our meditation techniques were actually breath focused uh, as uh, we like to say they're focused on the life force energy but when it got down to you know what was the vehicle transporting that life force energy it was the breath and uh, I was introduced to this technique of transformational breath work uh, near the end of my tenure as a monk it wasn't part of our our you know, monastic teachings and curriculum, but uh, when I experienced it, I was going through a turbulent time in my own life. Um, actually, there was, you know, it was a time where I was getting an inner signal to to move on from this uh, monastic existence, and it was confusing me. Uh, you know, I had I had vowed to be there for life, and I, you know, was 
was a good monk, you know, uh, as raiding a monk could go. I, you know, did I did what I was supposed to do, and I, you know, dove into the the techniques and the teachings. Uh, but uh, this this drive was was coming up, uh, a inner voice that was telling me to do something different, and and so there was a lot of conflict there. You know, I if I try to liken it to uh, to you know bridge the gap for people. If anybody's ever been divorced or moved out of their city or lost their job and, and changed it to a new one, you know if you think of all those three rolled into one, that's what and more or less a facing. And uh, you know so uh, as as people who have experienced any of those might know that you know there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of guilt, um, you know, am I doing the right thing, a lot of questioning, and the the breath work, I was introduced to the breath work, and it really helped me to process a lot of these emotions and, and gain a deeper clarity of what my true inner motive was, uh, you know, as to whether I should stay or should I go. And, and Christian, uh, how, lo- how long were you actually a monk? Uh, I was actually a monk for 10 years. For 10 years. Uh, spent a good 10 years really, you know, focusing and, and traveling that path. And, you know, it's, it's to be, you know, to be completely honest and transparent that, you know, I went in to, for noble reasons, and I really realized along the way that there were also hidden reasons why I was, was, becoming a monk, you know, reasons that I was running away from certain aspects of life that I, you know, didn't want to face or, or was unhappy with. And, and, and during those 10 years, I felt like I really got a good handle on what the, uh, you know, the noble reasons I went there to serve mankind, you know, to really just give myself up. We, you know, we, we give ourselves up in complete service. Our lives are, are dictated by um, those above us. We, you know, we if we're transferred to some place, we we say yes, sir, and go there. You know, we our work assignment is chosen for us. Uh, we, uh, you know, uh, we don't get paid. Um, you know, our room and board is 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 paid for, but uh, you know, our life is in service. And then that whole quest for that deeper essence of, you know, understanding what life is about, all these things I really got to experience and on a deep level and, and achieve some good understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, you know, at that point where I was starting to have those uh, different feelings that these other, uh, these other reasons started to emerge and really show themselves that, yes. you know, I had Tell us, largely Christian. wanted to have yeah, just just clarify for us before you go on. Do you think that it was the meditation or the breathing that actually helped you process through those those conflicts of feelings that you were having, or the realizations that you were having along the way, or was it a combination of both? Uh, definitely a combination. But here's what I'll say, and here's how I feel: meditation and breath work work together. Uh, you know, coming from that monastic background, I feel like meditation really is the, the highest path of 
self-inquiry and understanding of, of life itself and developing our connection to the creator or God, if you will. Uh, breathwork or meditation, however, in my opinion, assumes already that you are sort of emotionally and mentally stable. You know, it, it, it starts to work when all of the, uh, all of the incongruencies of life are kind of smoothed out and you can then really dive in and focus. Now, if otherwise, what you end up doing is just spending your time in meditation with a mind that you know, goes crazy everywhere with emotions that are unresolved and start to come up for for review. Uh, you know, you, you're sitting in meditation trying to be peaceful, thinking that stupid jerk, he still owes me 10 bucks, whatever, you know. Uh, and so the, the breath work, what I found was really an amazing technique for emotional integration. It it did something that the the meditation didn't do in that it helped. Well, if you think of you know if you're meditating uh, like you're walking down a straight path and there's a lot of garbage in that path and so you got to gingerly walk around it or get distracted and get off course. The breathwork is like a street sweeper that came and cleared out all that garbage. So then when we sat down to meditate, it was like, boom, a laser focus, and you could get right to right to work there. Now, the other thing uh, that I found with breath work, which you know relates to meditation, is that it offers a lot of the same uh, end results as meditation does. And it actually happened easier and quicker. So it was... Uh, you know that was a, a big carrot for, um, you know, for somebody who was uh, on a path, striving to make achievements in meditation. Um, now, again, I feel like that that is powerful, and we certainly you know, don't discount that. And at the same time, I don't, you know, I don't replace my meditation practices with breath work but I use them in conjunction with each other. However, people who have difficulties meditating, I've I've, uh, worked with a number, uh, dozens of people who, you say, my mind is just can't, it can't sit still. And, um, you know, my body hurts in meditation and uh, my mind goes everywhere. And they try breath work and they're, they're fascinated that, you know, they can get to that deep connected place and, uh, really, you know, don't have to, you know, their body doesn't have to be so still and, and hurt. And, um, you know, their mind just naturally goes to the the process of the breathing. So, you know, for those who have a real difficulty meditating, it's a, it's a good substitute. And then, you know, I still encourage them to work in the meditation later. And of course, those who have a meditative practice, I use it as a, a precursor to the meditation. Mm-hmm. And how does it compare with the likes of, say, transcendental meditation, where the focus is on a mantra as opposed to the inflow and the outflow of the breath? And eventually, actually, in TM, they say that the breath almost disappears completely. So how does your focus on the breath work compare with that? 
Yeah, that's uh, you know, um, you know, they are similar in that you know there is a point of focus in meditation where trying to focus on one singular thing, whether it be your spiritual eye, whether it be a mantra, whether you know, it be a chant, whether it be your breath, or whether it be the flow of life force energy in your body or the sound of, of own coming through. Uh, the the difference here is, uh, you know, you mentioned how in meditation we're we're actually looking to increase the gaps of, of time between the breath itself, um, so that often, you know, in, in one sense the goal is to go breathless. Uh, the transformation breath differs in the way that. Really, we're not concerned about going breathless. We actually want to keep the breath going. We want to keep it connected, and we actually want to keep it at a, a rhythmic uh, pace. That it's this rhythmic pace that develops this this frequency that you know takes us into the deeper states of consciousness. That that allows us to integrate these emotional uh, energies that may be discordant within us. And at the end of the process, again, this is where I said the, the goal isn't to be breathless. However, there's a period of time at the end of, of every session where I just let people float in the, you know, the energy that they created during, uh, you know, hard work during their session, or, you know, diligent practice. And they, you know, in that space, there is um, oftentimes people will go breathless. They'll just they won't feel the need to breathe. And in fact, uh, in my I have to say my longest experiences of breathlessness have actually come through practicing transformational breath rather than practicing my formal meditation techniques. Uh, confessions, true confessions of a monk here. Yeah, could we go back a little, Christian, just for the sake of our listeners who may not really know uh, what transformational breath is? So could you describe that to our listeners? Certainly. Uh, transformational breath is really a, um, what we call it, a spiritual self-healing technique. It's a, a process of uh, what we call conscious breathing, meaning we focus on working with our breath, which is inherently linked to the life force energy that that enlivens our beings. And through this focus on the breath, we allow that life force energy to take over, to take control. Uh, we call it a state of what, what we call the state of activation, where the breath actually starts to breathe us. So that's that's essentially what we're trying to do. And if you think of, you know, a little bit of philosophical background that, you know, there's that we have our our everyday conscious self. That's the part of us that's known. The, you know, the part of us that we are aware of. Um, then we have sort of the, the unconscious self, so the higher self, that part of us that is part of the oneness of, that we are of everything, but it's largely uh, untapped into. 
And as we as we start to breathe, as we bring more oxygen into our body, we're bringing more of this life force energy into our body. That life force energy is intelligent. It knows what to do. Uh, it um, it is uh, it is the driving force, driving energy that uh, enables us to do everything. So with that, as we bring more of that into our system, we're we are aligning ourselves more with that higher conscious side of ourselves. So in so doing, we let our ego self, the lower self, the conscious self, take a back seat, and we let this higher self take over. And that, you know, that is the real magic of the process. Is that we're, you know, letting ourselves go and letting ourselves connect with that deeper part of us that uh, normally isn't accessible mm. in everyday life. And is it convenient to do? Christian, and I'm really asking you in the light of our introduction today where we mentioned, you know, we have a wedding today and there's we're all feeling anxious and excited and and all, all these the full range of emotions are coming up, you know, your daughter getting married and all of that. And what I want to know is, is the transformational breath something that you can do in the moment, something you can do quickly, something you can do conveniently that might alleviate the stress somewhat? Or is it something that you must set aside an hour of your day? Can you describe that part of the process? Uh, Yes, definitely. I would say that if you have the space to breathe for, you know, five minutes or 50 minutes, you can utilize this process. And it's, that's one of the reasons why I really got into it because, again, as a monk, uh, you know, I saw the inherent nature of life, you know, that we, we, were, we were endowed with uh, all of the tools that we really needed to make life run smoothly for us. We just needed to learn how to access them. And, and through my meditation it's, uh, you know, focusing on the breath and then this breath work, I realized that the breath is, you know, one of our most valuable tools that we have that, you know, that life has to offer us. So I, you know, if we can breathe, we can use this technique. So anytime there's, there is a space in which to breathe. Now I would say it in the beginning, it may be, uh, more beneficial to go through like a, a formal session, which, you know, usually lasts anywhere from half hour to an hour, you know, uh, either in a group setting or individually, you know, sit down with a facilitator or like you mentioned in the beginning with the, the tape or CD, you know, some of the things that carry on my website, breastload.com. But the, uh, the, after after you really learn how to do the technique and get some pointers from a, a professional, then it's really your technique. It's your breath. And I like to say that my practice has evolved to more than just regularly going into formal sessions is to use it on the spot when I, you know, when I need it. So, for instance, uh, preparing for this 
radio interview this morning. You know, I woke up and uh, there was a little bit of anxiety there and, uh, you know, wanting to show up my best and, you know, do you know, represent this work and what I do as best I can. And so I just spent some time uh, taking, uh, you know, a number of breaths, five or 10 minutes, you know, maybe 15 in, in this transformational breath form and just let that anxiety work itself out. You know, I didn't try to push it away. I didn't try to deny that it was there or label it as wrong or you know, say I should be feeling something else. But just within the process of, of breathing, it's like mm-hmm. I, I cradled that energy with the breath and let it slowly integrate uh, and dissipate in its intensity. And then when... You know, after, like I said, about 10 or 15 minutes, it, the energy quelled, it came to an equilibrium, and I got up and jumped out of bed and said, this is going to be great. Of course it will be. So, yes, you can use it. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. Can we, can you, this is a really natural lead-in, Christian, for you to uh, tell our listeners what happens in a private session, and also uh, in the explanation of this breath work, could you talk a little bit about the connected breath? Because um, people, when they think of breathing, you know, stop and breathe, they, they think of n- the normal way we breathe, which is really not so normal. But so could you explain the connected breath? And then if somebody were to come for a session, what actually happens and what can they expect? Okay, uh, let's see. The, let me answer the question about what they can expect first, and then I'll go into the connected breaths. So, if if you you know the the, the transformational breath, first of all, was, was developed by Dr. Jiz Kravitz, who you mentioned in the beginning, who started the Transformational Breath Foundation over 30 years ago, which is now uh, probably the largest breath school on the planet. So there's, she's, she's taught hundreds of facilitators, and they're scattered throughout the United States and literally throughout the world. And so there is some consistency to any, any facilitation that you may receive from somebody if they say they've been trained in transformational breathing. Uh, however, then there's also, you know, everybody has their own individual flair. So if somebody came to see me, uh, what... A session really looks like is to sit down. It's it's you know part coaching and part experiential breathing. And the first part is really to you know to sit down and get uh, you know have a conversation, get to know the person on a a personal level, and start to to get at their motivations and their their deeper inner desires and the you know, the history of perhaps traumas or experiences that may have caused some buckle in their life that, you know, now shows up as a regular habit, which can can show up in their breathing. So we get into, in that, I'll actually sit them down and do what we call a breath analysis, which I will read how their breath pattern looks how it shows up and and reveals what inner 
things may be going on in their lives that are at the root of, of whatever their difficulties are that they've come to see me or, you know, or uh, how to enhance their ability to just suck more juice out of the, you know, the, the lemon of life here. Uh, so then we get really, uh, I'm big on honing in on an intention for the session as a, uh, I think everything that I do, I try to, to make it a holographic representation of, of life itself. So to, to set an intention for the session really is representative of getting up and really setting intentions in our day, setting intentions for everything we do. Uh, what's the value of that is really becoming clear with what we want out of life, being clear with where we're, where we're heading, you know, where we want to direct our energies. And if we're not achieving results that we want in our lives, usually the first culprit is because we really don't have a clear understanding what that direction really is. So we set that intention and uh, I do the breath analysis and then we get right into the session. And the session then is, you know, have people lying down, breathing, getting into the, the transformational breath process. And then as a facilitator, I do uh, work what we call body mapping, which is something we've been trained in to do more or less acupressure style touch in different parts of the body uh, according to our body map. And the body map is simply uh, an overlay of um, areas on the body where different emotional energies may be stored. So, for instance, uh, if somebody's really issues are rooted in stored anger, it's likely that they're going to have um, tension stored energy in their neck and shoulder region. You know, if they're if the issues that they're really grappling with have more to do with fear and anxieties, there's a, uh, a region called the fear belt, which is more or less along the solar plexus, the lower edge of the ribs, where the you know the ribs and the soft part of our belly meet, and we'll get in there and work. Um, you know, guilt and shame will often come. Uh, uh, come to fruition as pain and uh, energy stored in the back and especially the lower back when it comes to guilt and shame around you know our sexual issues uh, um, life of that nature so during the session I'm having them breathe and doing the body mapping we're uh, working towards getting people into that state of activation like I said earlier that where the breath is breathing them and uh, many fascinating things can happen along the way. People's you know, past emotions will come up to be expressed and integrated. So people will often uh, go into expressions of, of crying or, you know, releasing their anger or uh, those kind of emotions. And that's all welcomed in this, this, work. We're trying to, uh, you know, integrate this energy that we've been holding on to rather than 
you know, rather than letting just flow naturally. And so this this work is getting that flow reestablished. Mm-hmm. Then Christian, can I just ask they, you? Um, Christian, can I ask you just hold that thought there for a moment? We do need to take a very, very quick little studio break here. Mm-hmm. And once we come right back, do please explain a little bit more about that process of the breathwork session with you. So just bear with us for a moment. Sounds good. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. And welcome back to our show, everyone. Uh, with us today is Christian Minson talking to us about transformational breathwork. And Christian, before you continue conversation, just let people know how they can contact you and uh, get a private session if they're interested. Great, thank you, Angel. I can be most easily contacted through my website, breathflow.com. That's B-R-E-A-T-H-F as in fabulous, L-O-W.com, breathflow.com. Also on Facebook, there I have a Facebook page of Inhale Life slash Breathflow. You can find me there and like that page. And I can do, I'm based in San Diego area, uh, Encinitas to be specific. Uh, so people in this area can can see me personally, though I can also do sessions remotely via teleconferencing like Skype or, um, you know, uh, what's that, Apple chat or whatever that one is. Uh, so those are... Those are the best ways. And then all my contact information, of course, I welcome anybody to call me anytime they want for, uh, you know, if they want to ask deeper questions or email me. And my all my contact information is on that website, breathflow.com. Great. Now, I wanted to ask you about the remote sessions. And you before the break, you were speaking about the practical aspect of the session, what actually goes on. And I wondered... You know, because our audience is international, we have a lot of European listeners as well, of course, uh, listeners from across the United States and not all of them in San Diego. So how does somebody do a remote session with you? And in that remote session, do they go through the same procedure that you operate as if they were right there with you? Yes and no. The um, First of all, you know, there's, there's a couple things that I can really offer and one, you know, as I mentioned the the breathwork sessions itself have an element of coaching and an element of breathwork I also do just pure spiritual coaching, you know, with my extensive background as a monk, a lot of people find that a very valuable uh, session, which then is very easy, it's a you know, talking over the phone, don't even have to be a video conference uh, however, if the the breath process is desired, then what it takes is slightly modified I in that I can't personally be there to do the the body mapping itself, in other words, to touch the people. However, I um, set it up in such a way that you can I can observe their breathing and 
coach them into, you know, where we find their their blockages, whether they're, say, not breathing down deep into their belly or they're not breathing into their chest or we find they're pausing during the breath. I can think those, those kind of signals I can give verbally and, and uh, correct those patterns. As well, I can... I can instruct the people to go ahead and you know, body map themselves by indicating a place on their body I want them to, you know, to touch and to press in. And uh, we can spend some time before the actual session you know, practicing a little bit so they get an understanding of, of what kind of pressure they need to apply and, uh, you know, the different facets of, of what, body mapping does so it's it's very similar you know the the results are very much the same just a slightly different approach since i wouldn't be there specifically uh, uh, Mm -hmm. in person and does a person usually need like one session or 10 sessions or 100 sessions or is it an all of life kind of a process (laughs) Uh, all of the above i'd say that I like to I ultimately say that it is a, you know, it's a technique that once we do it, we see that it's really, it's about our breath and our breathing. And since our breath and our breathing is something we do on an ongoing basis, then it, you know, it behooves us to continue this practice. That being said, if people are coming for specific reasons that, you know, they've got a specific trauma they're trying to get through or a specific block, they, uh, you know, they may come for three sessions, six sessions, 10 sessions and, and, you know, work that energy out or integrate that energy as we like to say. And in that process and they again I recommend that they keep it up on their own beyond that but oftentimes that's all it takes to to heal the and the powerful thing about this is even in just one session amazing things can happen and if if I always say it's really what happens in the session can can vary greatly it really depends on the openness of the person and what's really up for them in that moment. I mean, what, what kind of energy is, is going on inside them, whether it's more you know, emotional turmoil or whether they've got physical pains and issues going on or whether they, you know, experiencing a spiritual sense of disconnectedness or, or a longing for, you know, a deeper understanding of life. What that energy is going to influence the, the, context of of the result of the session so uh it's it can be quite profound in fact people you know after going through the session people have uh reported many different uh results like relief from chronic pains uh, which actually if there's a pain that you have physically it doesn't come from some kind of uh, physical injury, you know, but it's just been there forever and it's really, they've tried all sorts of physical things and it doesn't work. Often it has an emotional root. So going through this process will release those emotions and, and those chronic pains can disappear. 
Uh, people will find that their emotions come back into a greater balance. They've got greater, uh, they've got a better relationship with their emotions, meaning they don't just bowl them over and uh, and run their lives, but they more are. I don't like to say in control of their emotions. Control is not a word that I like within the context of the breath because it's really it's really about accessing the flow of life and learning to to hook into that flow. So, you know, in a way it's a control, but it's not in the, probably the usual sense. Uh, and Christian, people have found that. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, I just want to say that people have found that their relationships have improved, that um, they've gotten a, a deeper sense of spiritual connection, that their, their fear of life and anxiety of living has, has dissipated and left and, and even at times they've improved their financial situation as a result. So these are many of the results that have happened. Yeah, and in this, um, your explanation of this, it does make you really wonder, like, we must all be very dysfunctional in our normal everyday breathing. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I wondered what what happened in the first place, Christian. Why did, how did we get so? Yeah, how did we get so messed up? All right, so yes, the the, the answer to for Sam Gale's question is yes. Uh, there's probably 90% of us have some kind of the dysfunction in our breathing. If you think about it, it's like like walking. Pretend you know uh, everybody knows how to walk, but some people sort of favor the outside of their foot, which I think is called pronating um, the other people favor the inside of their foot and I believe that's called supinating and if we do either of these two in extreme we start to develop uh, structural issues we may have pain in our knees or uh, you know propensity to spraining our ankles and things like that and so what do we do we go to a professional and he Maybe puts us in a leg brace or teaches us exercises to, to correct the um, correct the alignment of our our feet and our walking improves. So it's the same thing with our breath that we we all breathe, but we all breathe differently. And to get into a homeless question there, how did it all happen in the first place? If you think ideally, when we're born, we're breathing. Uh, naturally and fluidly. In fact, if you look at the breath pattern of a newborn baby, you'll see that it's very fluid, it's connected, it's easeful, and and that's our ideal state. Now, what happens is uh, as soon as we're born and even as early as the birth process, and we can even say um, in some cases even earlier before we've been born, we start to experience traumas and our when we experience a trauma or some upset to our system we usually go into that uh, reptilian fight or flight brain response and the the response uh, you know creates an emotion and that emotion has a corresponding breath pattern so if we if we start to uh, observe our emotions and everybody can do this after this call as you go throughout your day when you find yourself in a particular emotional state 
notice how you're breathing. So fear, anxiety, stress, uh, these kinds of emotions tend to come with a, a, a holding pattern or, you know, we'll, we'll tend to go into that, like we said, that reptilian brain, the, the breath becomes very shallow. Maybe it, we even hold it completely. If you think about, you know, the whole, if you've ever seen a deer, if you're walking through the woods and you step on a, uh, a stick and there's a deer off in the distance and it will just freeze. And that it's going into that, you know, reptilian brain, it fight or flight. Now it's, it's completely still. It's breath is, is basically uh, shallow or non-existent. So that it, um, any ready to flood the, uh, the, system with uh, adrenaline to you know to take off and uh, or fight for its life so the same thing's happening with us when we have these emotional experiences and what happens is as we have these over and over again we actually start to habituate ourselves to the breathing patterns that correspond with these emotions so ultimately the you know the the rub, as Shakespeare might say in this equation, would be that we we start developing these these dysfunctional patterns of breathing even when there's not some stimulus uh, directly creating that, those patterns. So we've habituated ourselves to these dysfunctional breathing patterns, and hence then we uh, you know we need some some form of education and, and understanding to start to correct those. Christian, can can you can you help people with phobias? And where do you think they phobias. come from? Yeah. Like I have a horrible yeah. fear of well, flying phobia. and I don't know where it comes from. I've tried to work on it in a variety of ways and I, I could say that it's getting worse the older that I get and huh. it's it's like terror. So like you know, have you ever worked with anyone who has those sorts of unusual fears that really don't seem to have any basis in this life anyway? Right. Yes. Uh, the answer is yes. Phobias and fears of any kind really are, again, emotional energies that have been stuck. If we if we look at, you know, my philosophy of life here is that life Everything's energy, uh, even uh, what uh, quantum physics now has you know, essentially proven, that all life is energy. And energy is in a constant flow. So when our life is really moving uh, happily downstream, so to speak, it's, it's in a constant flow where the energy is moving and it's constantly renewing. Now, whenever we have... One of, you know, some of these experiences, either in this life or even, you know, prior to this life, uh, it's like we're holding on to some of that energy. And that holding on, if you, if you imagine that flow being like a river, that holding on is like we start to build a dam. We're, we're blocking part of that flow of life. And, uh, you know, a fear here, uh, a traumatic experience there, or you know, anxieties, all these things start to, we start to hold on to this energy, not, you know, in an attempt not to experience it. But what we're doing is we're 
ending up building a bigger and bigger dam that's that's blocking the, the natural flow of life. And so this process will really uh, get in there and it starts to shake loose our grip on these energies. And the great thing is we don't have to know necessarily where they're coming from. So in, in your case, if this, as you're saying, it seems like it, that your, your phobia doesn't uh, have any root in anything that you, you consciously know you've experienced in this life. Uh, maybe there is something that, you know, is very deep in your subconscious and maybe it goes back well beyond, uh, you know, the, the scope of this life. Uh, but that doesn't actually matter as much as really accessing the energy that is blocked and starting to release it and let it, you know, let it get back into the flow. And again, that is what this technique is really great for. And, and that's hence why do I call my company Breath Flow because it, you know, I say as your breath flows, so your life flows. In other words, if we if we get our breath flowing openly, fluidly, easily, our life is going to take on those qualities. It's going to feel more open, more fluid, more easeful. If our breath is uh, locked up, if it's tilted, if it's difficult to breathe, life is naturally going to take on those qualities. It's going to be difficult. To, you know, we're going to run up against brick walls all the time. We're, we're not going to be satisfied. So the, somebody yeah, somebody it. thinks that they're being repeatedly blocked if they work really hard at something and they just think that they always hit, you know, really weird obstacles. You know, does that point to a buildup of experiences throughout their life? And do you think that ultimately they're blocking themselves in some way? Or what's your thoughts on that? Yes, well, the blocks... The blocks are us again holding on to this energy. The the it, you know it's a universal human condition. I don't know why we behave this way, but we do. And I've seen it time and time again in my practice of, of you know dealing with uh, thousands of people is that we you know we have an emotional state. We have an emotional reaction to our circumstances. And that emotion is painful or it's just, it's uncomfortable. And so instead of, we naturally are adverse to that discomfort. But in, uh, in so we don't want to experience it. And in, in that desire not to experience it, what we do is we stop that emotion from its flow. We stop it from, you know, really, doing what it's supposed to do, which is just come out, be expressed, and then essentially evaporate. But we instead block that energy from its expression and we hold it in our field of being. So we think we've stopped ourselves from feeling this, but what we've essentially done is kept that energy right in our our field of experience. And so it is there influencing everything we're doing, not just as directly perhaps as the expression of that emotion. But now instead of, you know, having gone through the discomfort of that emotion or feeling in the 
five minutes, ten minutes, or you know maybe hours or days that it takes to process it. We're now holding on to these things for weeks, months, maybe even years, ultimately even decades. In, in the case of of many of my clients, that you know these these issues actually are often rooted in our early childhood from ages zero to seven, and and we uh, you know we've never allowed that energy to finally just to get back into that flow to have its natural expression and therefore it's been it's been with us coloring and influencing everything we do uh, you know from that point forward for the rest of your life then Christian <laughs> okay. until, you, until you find some way to to release it and uh, you know, the, I will, you know, say honestly, the breathwork is not the only way to release emotions, and that's, you know, in the holistic field of practice, there are many different techniques, and different people resonate with different things. But what I, why I like breathwork so much is that it, uh, it has such a vast application across the board, and that uh, it's really a foundational thing. Everybody. Everybody can benefit, even just physiologically, from learning how to breathe better. And ultimately, <clears throat> if breathwork isn't the thing that makes you know makes people uh, you know get back to their hundred percent, it's going to enhance any other modality that they end up using. So, for wanna, instance, I if you talk- go and get a massage, right? I want to talk a little bit about resistance, Christian, and, and I have a reason uh-huh. for this question because years ago when I got into rebirthing, which is similar, um, I'd make an appointment and then let's say the week prior to my appointment or sometimes even when I made the appointment, things would just start coming up for me before I even got there. And um, can you can you address... <laughs> Why does that happen? Because I think the listeners need to know that there is something about this type of breath work that does automatically start bringing up suppressed things. And, you know, if I wasn't already a little bit awake at the time, I understood what was happening. But if I was a normal person and I didn't really meditate and I didn't study spirituality and I was going to a session, I might think that, you know, there was something bad in this process because all of a sudden I started to get emotional or angry and I might think that, you know, I need to cancel my appointment because this might not be good for me. Can you address the whole, that whole process and the resistance that comes up with people? Yeah. So there's two things you're talking about. One is, is our personal resistance and two is what I would call a cleansing reaction. Uh, so first, that resistance is, uh, and this, you know, uh, comes largely from my monastic training and understanding, uh, is our ego self. That, as I mentioned earlier, the you know the two facets of who we are: the conscious ego self, who you know what we know and what we experience on a daily basis, and then that larger part of you know, the unknown, the higher self that we access when we're doing the breath work. 
Well, the conscious, the ego self, the, the, the role of the ego is really to keep us safe. And ego equates safety with the known. And it, what's diabolical about this equation is that the known isn't always good for us. The known can be a very dysfunctional pattern. But the fact that it's known and some uh, some kind of potential solution that could really liberate our life dwells in the unknown, the ego is naturally resistant to anything unknown, and it wants to keep us in that comfortable, quote-unquote, comfortable space of the known. So when uh, when we... You know, I've had this happen many times too. A, 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 a client will make an appointment and then they'll, then from that commitment, it's like the ego starts to get an inkling that it's, you know, it's facing its annihilation, you know, or it's, it's facing learn, uh, a, the unknown coming in and really, uh, taking over and it starts to get uh, it starts to get resistant and people will you know I mean the obvious things people will call up and say oh I don't you know I can't come I, I'm just not I'm, I'm not sure about this it, and it will manifest in a variety of different ways even people will get ill you know actually physically ill before a session because they'll They'll have worked themselves up into the state so much of, of resistance that that their body reacts. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so and does so that we have it, to realize. Does that make it difficult for you sorry? to grow your business? Does it, you, you know when you're trying to expand well, and grow your business and you get so much resistance? You know, does it make it difficult for you, or do you have to go contact them and well, try and convince them? Let's say I haven't. Um, I haven't experienced it as much lately, and I think what it, what, how I answer that is, I am calling in conscious people to my business. In other words, you know, I'm, I'm taking, I'm setting the intention that the kind of people that I want to work with are people who are ready to do the work. Right. Uh, and in the beginning, I would take anybody, and right. when you take anybody, you take people who are both ready you know, ready to do this work and then people who who think they're ready but they're they're really just you know, trying to find an easy way out. Right. That's an important and, distinction, yes. Uh you know, it, an inherent part of this is it is a self healing technique. I'm a facilitator. I'm helping you to to get into this, but uh you know, one of the foundational tenets of my life, of my monastic career is uh um and you know, inherent to the universe, I think, is personal responsibility. Nobody, nobody ultimately is going to change us if we're not ready to change ourselves. Mm -hmm. And let us, that let us, know, drawing in those kind of people has made me, um, you know, has made that diminish in its uh, yes. in its frequency. Let us quickly remind our and, listeners that we're, you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu, and we're speaking to or Christian Minson about transformational breath. And there is a question that has puzzled me for a long, long time, Christian. And I, you know, I wrote this specially to 
make sure that I would ask it during our session today because it's really important for me. You know how worldwide we're experiencing global pollution and environmental issues and radiation coming from Japan and all of that kind of thing. Now, you're advocating you know, deep breathing and so on. How, how does one manage to get a clean breath and practice the release of this trauma when we're faced with such environmental difficulties? Um, that's a good question, perhaps um, beyond beyond any of our control other than to, you know, real, stand up and realize that um, our environment is us. And if we don't start really taking action and making our voice be heard about the, the destruction that people are doing for the, you know, for the narrow-minded um, profit or, or propulsion of, of an individual's agenda, that we're all going to really suffer and it's you know we can do we can do certain things if we're uh you know in the areas that have more pollution than others so you can get air purifiers and, and you know work in a room that's, that's sealed and, and contained like that however you know we are there is you know i've heard some disturbing statistics that the oxygen in the atmosphere used to be something like 40%, and now in in some regions it's as low as 19%. So we're really, you know, we we really we can still survive with it. We're still, you know, we can still breathe it in, but we really have to we really have to learn to be more efficient in our breathing. And uh, I think if we if we get that life force energy into our system it trumps you know the the negative effect in other words i would if you're you know breathing in you know semi-polluted air which i'd say the vast majority of us still are you know in this world these days that uh it's still better to breathe you know to um to maximize our ability to take in uh, those breaths because we're still going to distill more oxygen by being more efficient with our breathing right. than it is to, to you know, breathe shallowly and, you know, in an attempt not to breathe in pollution, but then we're really just cutting ourselves off from our, uh, you know, the, the number one nutrient that we need, which is oxygen. Right. Yes. And what's the difference between breath that comes in through the nose as opposed to the mouth? And I'm asking that question. I mean, I know the nose hairs and so on would, would do some filtering, but there are some meditation practices that would promote breathing through the mouth. And then there's others that would promote breathing through the nose. What difference is there? Yeah, that's a good question. It often comes up because I do not know why, but, uh, uh, you know, myths, I feel as a myth has been perpetuated over the years that it's not good to breathe through your mouth and you should only breathe through your nose. Now, some people have heard this and some people have not. This, this transformational breath is a mouth breathing process. Uh, interestingly enough, the highest technique of meditation that, uh, that I learned in my monastic career called Kriya Yoga 
it also was a mouth breathing process. So they're um, inherently, uh, you know, through my practice and working with hundreds and thousands of people and ultimately hundreds of thousands of people who have done this work, um, there's no inherent danger in breathing through the mouth. Uh, the, the nose, I would say, is ideally suited for everyday breathing in that it filters the air, it warms the air, it moistens it, and makes it ideal for the lungs. But why, one of the reasons we breathe through the mouth is what we're trying to do in this process is get an abundant amount of oxygen infused into our body in a short period of time. So in order to do that, uh, we need a, a wider channel, a bigger tube, so to speak. And the mouth is inherently bigger channel than the nose for, for bringing oxygen in. Now, the other, there's another esoteric reason why we breathe through the mouth versus the nose in, and why some meditation techniques will, will focus on nose breathing. The, um, for those who are familiar with the chakra centers, the mouth, breathing through the mouth uh, is connected more with the, the lower centers, the, the first three up to the heart center. And the breathing through the nose connects us more with the higher chakra centers, the, the ones above now, uh, above the heart. Now, our approach generally is to balance our being, and we like to like to start by clearing any energies in these lower chakras before moving into higher chakras, because I think everybody's probably experienced a person who has spent a lot of time cultivating their higher chakra energies, but has not really addressed their lower chakra energies, and they're very ungrounded, they're you know, the very ethereal, spacey, but don't seem to have any roots on this earth. We lovingly referred to them in the ashram as bliss bunnies. And what was those, that? You know, that, uh, the, what did you ask? So what did you refer to them as? Bliss bunnies. Oh, bliss bunnies. Yeah, there's another name called bliss ninnies. That was <laughs> not such a nice version. <laughs> But let me yeah, ask you, so, you know, it's, yeah, let me ask you too, Christian, because I know we're running out of time and I don't mean to cut you short, but what is, I have two questions or two comments. What is the difference too between going to, let's say, a male, uh, facilitator as opposed to a female in terms of what it might bring up in a person? And then I do want you to tell our listeners about your upcoming workshops. Okay, uh, male versus female, I'd say it's completely an individual issue there. Um, the, you know, there's, because as far as I'm concerned, um, masculine and feminine are energies, not necessarily bodies. So you can have a very, you know, masculinely dominated person in a female body and vice versa, a very feminine dominated energetic person in a, a male body, uh, what I uh, feel like I, you know, is, again, from my spiritual training and, and my process of life, really discovered that it's, that, you know, it's the marriage of the two, the masculine with the feminine, you know, uh, uh, 
represented or you know, metaphorically represented in actual marriage and in life coming together of a man and a woman. But uh, inside each of us is that marriage of the masculine and feminine. So we're really looking for a, a balanced energetic approach to, to life. And that's what I bring uh, not only to my life, but especially to my work and, and attempting to ultimately not be either man nor woman when addressing the the person, but really being, uh, you know, uh, more or less an invisible entity to help, help draw out of them whatever is needing to come forward. So if, if what they need is somebody stronger, a, a foundational rock, you know, I may bring forth my masculine energies uh, in that, in a session of that nature. Mm-hmm. If somebody needs more nurturing, more support, more help, of, uh, you know, along the emotional lines, then I'll, I'll draw upon, you know, the feminine qualities that I've cultivated in order to, uh, you know, help that person process their feelings. But really, so me, I love that answer. Depends more on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I love that answer. That's fantastic. So, would you tell us about your workshops? I want to make sure you get that in there for people before we have to close. Yeah, great. Thanks. Well, first of all, you know, we mentioned earlier that I do offer individual sessions. I do also offer group sessions, and I will do that in person or remote. Uh, I offer not only the breath sessions, but spirit-based action coaching. Um, I also um, do holistic wellness coaching uh, in conjunction with a business partner, Dr. Olga Goldina, and we'll be we'll be launching soon. Um, uh, the Academy of Abundant Living uh, as a website, which will get into, you know, living abundantly on all levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, uh, and then I offer personalized individual health retreats. So if somebody wants to really have a, a individualized program for a day, a weekend, or even a week, I can do that. But what is coming up on the calendar eventually, and again, you can find this stuff at breathflow.com, B-R-E-A-T-H-F-L-O-W.com. This next Saturday, a week from today, September 14th, I'm having an introductory session of transformational breath. Uh, This is a perfect way to really get a deep understanding of it and uh, and then actually have the experience of it. And it, you can, like I said, you can find all the information and the link to register online. This will be happening in Pacific Beach in the San Diego area. Uh, and anybody listening to the show, if they want to email me, if they're interested in coming as a, you know, as a thank you for your regular guests uh, who who listen to this? I'd like to offer you know an additional ten dollars off if they pre-register. So they'll have to contact me directly, and I'll send them a special link. Otherwise, they can you know pay by the link that that, that is up on my site. But Super. if they want that extra ten dollars off, to email right. me. And Christian. you're also you're also encouraging people to make a wall post saying they heard the show on your Facebook page. 
Yes, indeed. Yeah, it, go get it to my Facebook page and say, you know, tell them, tell, tell everybody, yell it to the world that they heard it there and to, um, uh, you know, and uh, have great, you know, any comments on the the thing, what what they wanted to hear addressed that wasn't addressed, and you can continue the conversation on, on the Facebook wall. But um, I also like to say I've got a, a teleseminar coming up. Um, in the in the near future too, you can find the information on on my website there. I uh, I'm about to head to Europe for about three weeks to do some work over in the eastern side of Europe, Bulgaria of all places. And what I really want to mention uh, coming to the San Diego area in. October, October 20th through 25th is the Transformational Breath Personal Transformational Seminar. And this is, this is a, the quintessential experience of Transformational Breath, uh, a six-day seminar. It's actually going to be led by my mentor, Dr. Judith Kravitz, and I will be there as second in command. Uh, and it's, it really is a, a powerful and deeply transforming process. Uh, you know, five days, six days of going through the, the transformational breath process, breathing it uh, two to three times a day, doing many permutations like breathing in body temperature water, breathing in pairs, breathing with um, mirrors, uh, and then a lot of different supporting modalities that happen in between the sessions that really help to integrate the energies that have come up during the session. Right. You, Dates you for make the, the best sh- friends you've ever made there. Yeah, what are the what are the dates for that, Christian? And um, how can a person sign up for that? The dates for that again are October 20 through 25th of this year, and it's going to be in Temecula, which is just north of San Diego. Uh, it's um, you know it is residential, so people can come from all over the the country and all over the world. And again, the information can be found on my website, breathflow.com, and on the schedule of events page. Okay. And um, Christian, we you know, do the, have all to the contact information is there. Right, we do have to draw to a yeah. close right now. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, and I've got lots and lots of questions that I still have remaining unanswered. But we will be meeting you soon, and also we are on your mailing list, so we will post out the information about your workshops to our list, uh, to our listeners, and to our list. So let us bring this session to a close now. We've been speaking to our Christian Minson about transformational breathwork. You've been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series. Remember, our free group Akashic Records is not online tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, but following next Sunday, the 15th of September, we are recommencing more information at worldofempowerment.com. Next Saturday, we are introducing Dan Clark, who's going to speak to us about personal development and transformation. And if you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, contact us at Angel Rose at angelrose.com. So until next Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, our blessings, and thank you for listening to myself, Ahanu, and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. And as we say in Ireland, Slán agus Bannacht de Liv Galair. Thank you, Christian. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being with both of you. All right. uh, 
Good luck in the wedding today. Yeah, thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.